Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Sorry, I'm a little wound up today. Too high? Is that possible? She seen me 20 years ago. I want to read a little clip for you. And then I'm going to ask a question. This is from Isaiah 53. Most of us have quoted this, used this. But this was a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as from one whom hid their faces, he was despised and was esteemed him not, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Him. Jesus. Our griefs, our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like have sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. All of us have turned away. In our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That's a lot of iniquity. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that's led to slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I've said this before, but I think at some point God saw the wickedness of mankind. It said in, in back in Genesis that he said, I'm, I'm, even, I'm sorry I even created him. I wish I wouldn't have made him. And I just picture at some moment in eternity and time past and that God the Father's looking down upon the race, just can't believe what's happened to my creation. And Jesus looked over and said, I'll go. I'll take their place. Let me go. And God lets him go. Because we read through the book of the, in the Old Testament how God tried to reach his people and say, I need you to be different. I need you to dress different, eat different, act different. And then we, we read about the books of the law. The law wasn't created for us to be good. The law was created to show us how sinful we were. That's it. I've said this before, but the law isn't there. If you, if you say, I didn't break the law, that doesn't make you righteous. 
If you're focused on not sinning, you're not living the life God wants you to live. So if over here is a bunch of sin, and you're part of it, and you're like, okay, I want to change my life around, and you're standing here going, look at them sinning. Look, wow, man. Well, I'm not part of it, though. Well, they're having fun, but I'm not going to partake of it. I'm just going to... And you lay your head down at night and go, man, I didn't sin today. I did good. No, you didn't. Because God's over here saying, here's the life I have for you. If you're worried, if you're focused on this, you're not even going to think about that. But what we want to do is we want to start living our life and we, we pick up bad habits and we got sin in our life. We got things. We're going along. And then we're like, we realize that we're kind of messed up. We're like, well, I'll get, a little, I'll get a little Jesus to come along with me on my ride and I'll put him in my pocket. So I got him, so I'm good. Put a little Jesus in with, in with everything else and, and I put it into a little concoction and I'm good. But Jesus never said, I'll follow you. He said, follow me. He didn't say, take me along the ride with you. He said, follow me. Follow me. I got plans. I got gifts. I got talents. I got things I want to do. Get your focus off that. I took all that. That's why we're celebrating Easter. He took all those iniquities. I had someone come up to me yesterday. At the outreach, he said, I need to ask you something. I said, okay. He said, there's things going on in the world I can't, I can't, I know about forgiveness. I hear it, but I don't, I don't understand it. There's people that kill and rape. How, how can they be forgiven? How? I said, hey, I'm with you, man. In my, in my natural self, I'm with you. I don't get it either. In my carnal mind, I don't get it. That's why I have to rely on that word and what God says to me and says, they're forgiven just as much as anybody else. If they're a new creation, if they come to the Lord and say, God, I forgive me, I want, to, I want to get saved, I receive your sacrifice, your life laid down for mine, they're forgiven. I don't care what they've done. It doesn't matter. And he was struggling to, to find that, that line. It was He put a line there. And said, okay, this, these sins are worse than all the others. I can't forgive that. I don't see how that's possible. And the only thing I said, I said, the only thing I can tell you, man, I said, my words can go in this ear, not that ear. I can speak to you all day. I can tell you exactly blah, blah. I said, it might not change you. Draw closer to him. Let him minister to you. He's the only one that can get in here. I can speak to you up in here. But only God's going to get in here and make a change. Only God's going to reveal the truth to you. But that truth is, he bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, pierced for our transgressions. That's real. He did that for you. He took it all for you. He was the perfect sacrifice. That Old Testament law said you had to bring a sacrifice every year, the best of your bunch. Bring me a lamb, a, a lamb or a ram or whatever your wealth status was. You had to bring a perfect animal. It had to be the best of your bunch. You couldn't say like, well, this, this lamb's... It's junk anyway. I'll sneak that one in for the sacrifice. No, 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 It's going to get rejected. Give us your best. That one's got a fault. That one's got a defect. It's got a limp. It's got spots. We want your best. That's the only thing that was sufficient. And then he had to chop the animal up, spill the blood all in the, in the, in the uh, temple. To, and in the, on the, only the priest could go into the very inner, inner, inner sanctuary to, to, to stand in the gap for you to sacrifice or to be the sacrifice for your sins. He's the only one. And then you walked away going, see, I'm cleansed. I'm good for another year. Gave him a perfect sacrifice. Priest did his thing. I'm good. 
Until next year when I've got to come back and do it all over again. And Jesus said, one time, once, I'll go. I'll come and live as a man. I'll live perfectly. I won't sin. I won't be disobedient. I'll listen to everything the Father tells me. He was tempted, just like we are. He was tempted, just like us. We read the Bible sometimes and think, well, Jesus didn't even get through anything. But it also says he was tempted just like we are. I'm willing to bet Jesus had a couple of, couple of good-looking good women come sneaking up on him. doesn't say that, but I mean, I think it's true. If he faced all the temptations we did, he said, nope, not, not, not today, Satan. He did it all, lived his life, and said, I'll lay down my life for you. I'll shed my blood. If you've ever... Let me just read it. I wasn't... I just feel like it needs to be read. How many of you can honestly say you've never read any details of the crucifixion? Like any of the, what happened, what it, what he really went through. Has everybody read it? I mean, if everybody's read it, good. But it begins with his scourging, scourging, however you want to pronounce that. Beaten, whipped, and not just a little crack on the butt that you do for your kids, but beaten to where flesh is coming off, blood's pouring out, bones are exposed, muscles exposed. If you read a lot of the, uh, if you do a lot of the studies on this, it said a lot of normal mortal men would have died just from this. They'd, they'd already been dead right there. But Jesus couldn't die yet. Couldn't. And then as he's going through that, they mocked him. They stripped his clothes off because they said, it's kind of a death. You have no dignity in it. No, no pride. They strip everything. They want you humiliated. Not just dead. Humiliated. They put a crown of thorns on him. Made him carry his own cross. And this wasn't some two pound piece of wood. Even that right there, they said most guys would have died. You've already beaten, you're already bleeding out. Now you're carrying this 7,500 pound cross. And not just from here to the back of the church. This is all the way out to the outskirts of town. Up on Golgotha's Hill. Most men would have died right there. Jesus couldn't die yet. He was stripped and nailed to the cross. On the cross, Jesus hung in agony. Soldiers divided his garments, cast lots for his robe. Various onlookers taunted him. Crucified on either side of Jesus were two thieves. The soldiers found Jesus, or the soldiers found Jesus already dead, but to be certain, one of them drove a spear in his side, from which he poured blood and water. I skipped, I think I missed it. But they said, when you're hanging like that, first just the agony, just think of just hanging, your natural weight. Go out, and, go out and just grab onto something and just let your body weight hang. Like hold onto like a ledge. Can't do it very long. And then the asphyxiation starts coming because all that body weight's coming down. Your, your chest can't expand. And you have to literally push yourself up 
just to get a breath. And he said, think about the pain. You've got nails down, and you're trying to push up. Think of how, just think how bad a splinter hurts you and how annoying it is, let alone having six-inch nails ran through your feet. And just to get a breath, think about that. You had to go through agony to get a breath to save you from the agony of suffocating. Some reports say six hours of that. Six hours. Finally, he gave up his spirit. And I, I just sometimes think, I don't even think the, the angels knew what was going on. I don't think they got it either. They were... I could just see him up there, ready to go. Ready, I mean, like, that's Jesus, man. We got, we got to go to war. Like, Father, you going to let us go? Like, we need marching orders, man. Silence. And it said Jesus in any second could have just went, come. Angel would have came and just tore that place up. Jesus knew he couldn't do that. He went through with everything that he knew he had to do. Every Old Testament prophecy about what the lamb, the perfect sacrifice was going to be, had to come to pass. And he knew he needed to shed his blood and die on a cross. And he did it. He did it. And I just, I, I, before we go any further, I want to ask a question. I want to know. Is there anyone in here that needs to be saved? You've never accepted that sacrifice for you. You've never said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Because of what you did, I want to serve you. And if you're in here today and you've never done that, please, let's, let's pray right now. Raise a hand, please. Anybody that needs to be saved. Do we have anybody? That's good news. And I said this earlier, but that song, that ain't no grave, we should be walking around not afraid of death. Jesus conquered death. He defeated death. He defeated that thing. I'm not saying go out and play Russian roulette. I'm saying we shouldn't walk around with this outstanding fear of death. Jesus said, I defeated death. They thought, death thought it had me. <sighs> Gave up my spirit, dead. Soldiers mocked him. Yep, he's dead. Get him down. All Joseph, if you want the body, here, take him. Put him in that grave. But you know what? He was running his gums about raising himself up, and he does have these crazy disciples that might do something. So put that big stone in front of that grave. Seal it up. That way there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Let's make sure. And for three days, they thought they had him. They thought the whole thing was over. See, he wasn't, he wasn't the king. He wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't just a man. He was just a man. Now he's in some grave just like everybody else. Three days later. Three days later. The women went to the tomb and said, oh. The angels said, what are you doing here? 
you think we're doing here? Came to see Jesus. He's gone. He walked out of the grave. He walked out of the grave. And they ran. Listen, he's alive. He's alive. Jesus is alive. Peter and John. We saw it. We... All right, let's get make sure. And they get there. There's the linen. And it's symbolic in there if you read that the linen was folded up. And in Jewish customs, that folded up linen meant something. My work here is finished. I'm finished at this table. Fold my linen up. He didn't just throw it on the ground. That linen was nice and folded up neat. He said, the work is finished. And I'll say it again, even though I just said earlier, I think in our life, sometimes we still have those things, just like that man said to me yesterday. We still struggle with thoughts of saying, I don't know about that. I don't know about this. I don't know if, about forgiveness. I don't know about really rest- restored. I've done so much. I've done this. And I know so- you, we have to have a revelation of what this truly means, what we're, why we celebrate Easter. It has to be a fresh, true revelation in your heart. It can't just be another day. It can't just be, okay, well, Jesus died. It has to be a really true heart, spirit, soul, body revelation. That says what Jesus really did. He laid it all down for me. Every iniquity, every sin, all the chest, all everything. He took it into that grave with him. He took it on the cross for you. And when he got up and walked out of that grave, that meant you also are a new creation. You come out of that thing new. When you say, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior, new creation. Old you dead, in the grave, knew you, walking with life. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you're never going to mess up again. That's not it. Get out of the religious mindset. But God says, I'm giving you life. I'm giving you life. And at the end of this journey, you want to be able to say, I thought Timothy said it. Is it 2 Timothy 4.7? I just had it pulled up. I fought the good fight. Nope. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I thought this week, two reasons. He said, I fought a good fight. Good fight. Why do you th- what makes a fight good? Ray, what would make a fight good? Winning. That's one of them. Yes. Who's a big boxing fan? Anybody? Nobody? No boxing fans in here? You're a bo- Okay, Royce is a boxing fan. When Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas fought, was that a good fight for Mike Tyson? Why? <laughs> because he lost. But it was a good fight for Buster Douglas because he won. But why else would, what else would make a fight good? Because it's worth it. It's worth it. Money, paycheck. That makes it worth it, right? But Timothy fought that race because he said it's worth it. The end of this fight, it's worth it. 
Whatever you go through, whatever you're struggling with, whatever is beating you down, whatever the enemy's pounding in your brain or doing to your body or doing to those around you, endure, endure, endure because it's worth it. The fight is worth it. The Bible says stand. The best thing sometimes you could do if you're in an actual altercation, man, someone blasts you and you get out of the ground, is you stand up and go like this. You stand. You take a shot from them and you stand. That's sometimes the best thing you can do. Like, whoa, I thought I had you down. You're standing. Well, I'm going to come hit you again. Okay, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get back up. I'm going to stand back up. Amen. Say it again, Curtis. Nothing. Nothing. When you have accepted this and say, I'm a new creation, I'm telling you, that means you've got to put the gloves on and fight. Doesn't mean life's easy. Doesn't mean it, the struggles end. It means the struggles get real. The struggles get real. And how do we fight? Do we fight flesh and blood? How do we fight? We fight with the word. We fight with the word. We fight in spiritual battles, high places. We do not. We don't go. We don't go at the devil with our fists. Okay, come on, devil! I'm gonna punch you in the face. No, we fight him spiritually. I'm going to hit you with my swords, devil. Keep coming at me. and I'm going to pull my sword out. I'm going to bash you across the face with it. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to chop your head off, Goliath. Fight the good fight of faith. It's worth it in the end. Too often we're five steps into this thing and it gets so overwhelming. I just want to give up. It's the Israelites going out to the edge of the sea. And Moses is going, and they're going, you brought us out here to kill us? Let's go back. At least when we were slaves, we got fed. Moses said, no, we're going this way. There is no way that way, Moses. Yeah, but I know a God that will make a way. When you walk out of that grave, God's going to put you on a journey that's just, there's some, it's, don't get me wrong, there's highs and lows, but man, those highs are high. Man, those highs are high. And they can't be replaced. That's why also one of the most important things I read in the Bible is when Paul said, I've learned to be content. I'm content with a lot, I'm content with a little. And too often we just think in our walk, well, like in my walk, I mean, I just got a new car, a new house. Oh man, God, 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 blessing me. I'm, I'm walking. I must be walking right. And a couple steps later, it's like something bad happens. Oh, I messed up somewhere. Oh crap, what I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. The journey's going to be filled with valleys, mountains, valleys, peaks, lows. And Paul said, you just got to be content with all of it, because the one thing you got is you got Jesus. If you got Him, you got everything. You got everything. Just drop something. I hope I can find this quote again. This was this was I love this. I was reading this book and it talked about how after the resurrection, kind of the disciples had those moments of like, oh man, man he said this. Oh man, remember he oh yeah, yeah. From the resurrection onward. The gospel that Jesus had preached became the gospel that was Jesus. 
The disciples now recognize that Jesus Christ came not only to preach a gospel, but to be a gospel. Man. He is the gospel. He is the gospel. Too often we think, well, I don't know how to speak to people. I don't, I don't have the words. Yeah, you do. Just draw close to Jesus. It's simple. The gospel is very simple. Easter is very simple. It sounds so incredibly simple and dumb to some people in the world. That's the way that's what God wanted to us. Like, I sent my son to live a perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice, to die for you, raise him back to life in three days, so you can spend eternity with him. Don't worry about all the other. If you know that, you can you can get someone saved. I've said it before here in John 14, 12. Jesus said, you'll do greater things than me. You'll do these things and greater things. These things, you come with healing. You think about it. Open blind eyes. Open deaf ears. Resurrect somebody from death. I can do greater things. What's greater than all that? Getting someone saved. Jesus couldn't get someone saved. Truth. Jesus couldn't get someone saved. He hadn't died yet. He couldn't preach salvation to somebody. He was going to be salvation. He couldn't say, well, if you believe in my death, well, you know, I, I. that's why it says that. You'll do greater things. Your ability to get someone saved, share the gospel, is greater than all the miracles Jesus did. That, that wrecks people's minds, but it's true. That's why he told them that. You're going to do greater things than me. Why you do great things for three? He can't do all that stuff. You'll tell him about me. Let's close out of here. I kept the band up here because I, I, I also didn't think I'd even speak that long. So thank you, band, for enduring with me. And I wanted to play that song again because, and Matt, I'm glad you finally listened. I need a little more harmonica in my life, you know. Cowbell and harmonica. That's what, <laughs> it's so good. Man, it's so good. I, I, I just want to play this song, and, and I, I want us to really find some joy. You know, it's okay. You know, I, I think a lot of times with Easter we tend to get a little somber because we think, well, Jesus died during Easter. Yes, that's true, but he also the resurrection, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to celebrate. He wants us to, to enjoy this thing and say, I died for you. Like, live, live, live. Some of us are surviving. We're just existing. Jesus said, live. I didn't do my Facebook challenge last week. My Facebook challenge this week is live. There's people in here. Raise your hand if there's something on your on your heart that you're like, man, I've always wanted to go here, do this, be this, whatever. Something. What, three people? Okay, that's better. Do it this week. Unless it's, I mean, I know there's probably some crazy, you know, you want to go do a, uh, you know, the uh, did a rod up in Alaska. Maybe it's not realistic. But like, if you've said, I always want to go to the Grand Canyon, guess what? Make plans to do it right now. I always wanted to see Niagara Falls. Make plans to do it right now. I haven't seen my uh, cousin in five years. They live. Go see your cousin. Live. God says live. Live. He'll make a way. And I want you to, as we sing this song, 
I really, if there's somebody in here, if you still feel like that rock is in front of you, that big thing's got you in a cave, you're locked in, you don't feel freedom, you don't feel release, you don't feel like you got life, let's pray. Or, as this song's playing, I really want you to get focused on God, not your surroundings, not your neighbor, not the person in front of behind you, but the fact that that stone rolled away and Jesus walked out of that grave. And he's saying to you, do the same thing. Walk out. Stop. Don't stay in that grave. Walk out. By faith, say that stone's rolled away. I'm walking out in freedom. I'm alive. Lord, thank you for your ultimate sacrifice. Thank you for laying down your life 2,000 years ago. Thank you for just being the ultimate example of mankind and Lord thank you that you shed your blood that you laid your body down that we were able to partake of those things Lord and walk in wholeness of life that you gave us a tool to defeat the enemy you never leave us nor forsake us Lord if there's one in here today that needs set free delivered I pray that you would speak over them right now set them free Grab them by the hand and yank them out of that grave. Lord, we thank you for the gift. We just pray safety, blessing over family gatherings today, Lord. Let people just gather with love and joy and peace. And Lord, we thank you for life. Without you, we have nothing. Jesus, in your name, amen, amen, amen.